Um, All right, so we started a series a couple uh, weeks ago. We're going to look at the book of Psalms through the summer, at least through most of the summer. So Christy kicked it off Memorial Day weekend with Psalm 23, one of the more well-known psalms. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want that one. That's Psalm 23. Last week I preached on Psalm 4. Um, And we're encouraging you, if you would like to spend some time reading through the psalms and even memorize a psalm. I bet we could all pick a psalm. Some of them are super short, and we could memorize those. So Christy's got one memorized. I got Psalm 4 memorized. Um, And so we're going to, it won't be a contest because I will lose for sure. But I encourage you to spend some time in the Word, memorize some scripture this summer. But Psalm 8 is where we are today. If you have a Bible or you want to use one of the black hardcover Bibles in the pew that you're sitting in, Psalm 8. And as you're turning there, um, I was at a wedding last night, and uh, at the reception, I was seated at a table with, you know, a bunch of people I didn't really know I was working at this wedding. And so um, one of the ladies that was sitting at the table is three weeks, she's giving birth in three weeks to their first child, a daughter. And so we were all congratulating her. That's great. That's great. Do you know what it is? Yeah, we know it's a girl. And then someone said, do you know what the name is going to be? And she kind of looked at the table and was like, well, we have some options, but I don't really like to say the options. And and all of us said, we can relate. Because if you've ever been there when you were about to have a baby and you were thinking of names, um, first of all, it was always with Christy and I, there was a discussion when, uh, you know, as we were about to have a child, we would think, well, what should we name it? What should we name it? And so we would have the, the conversation back and forth. And have you ever been there where you'd throw out a name and the other person has a reason why that name won't work? No, I, went, I was in the third grade with a Matthew and that kid was awful and we are not naming our kid Matthew. And so it's kind of like jury selection, right? You have like, we have veto power, right? No, not, no, I dated a girl named, no, I'm not doing that. No, we're not naming her that. Um, so that's what this lady at the wedding reception was saying. She's like, every time I say a name suggestion, someone says, oh, yeah, I went, to, I went to high school with a, with a person with that name, and they're in prison now, or something like that, right? And you're like, well, no, it just ruins it. Or they'll give you the look like, really, that, that name? So she just decided to keep the name options to herself. And I said, that's a, good, that's a good option. Christy and I would run into, you know, we'd suggest a name. I'd suggest a name when, when we knew it was a boy coming, and, and Christy would say, oh, I dated a boy named that. We can't name it that. And I actually went through quite a few names where Christy said, oh, I dated a boy... I know she's probably watching on Facebook Live. She's out of town, so that one was just, <laughs> just for her. I'll be hearing about that one later. Names are important. If you've named your kid, you want to put some thought into it. Some people name them with all, starting with the first letter of the alphabet. All the kids' names start with the letter or whatever. Uh, in our family, Lucy was the firstborn. We loved the name Lucy. And then Charlie was second, and we loved the name Charlie. And then people started picking up that it sounded a lot like Charlie Brown and Lucy, and we hadn't even thought of it. And so they're like, well, you're going to get a dog and name it Snoopy? Or, and honestly, when Betty was coming along, we, we loved the name Sally, but we can't, I was like, we can't name it Sally now, because then it's like for sure Linus or Pigpen or whatever was coming next for the, for the fourth. Um, names, are, names are important. We put thought into our, into our names. And, you know, we have some names in our world. Some people are so well-known, they're only known by their first name, and we can all think of some of those. But most people aren't super well-known. Most people aren't famous, but their names are still important. Today's psalm starts out talking about the name of God, the name of our God. 
Because that's what we're talking about today in Psalm 8. We're talking about the one name that is exalted about all, above all other names. The one name that is known not only throughout humanity around the world, is known in the heavens, is known by the angels, is known by all creation. And this is Psalm, and it starts out with that phrase. We're going to read the whole thing in a moment, but it just starts out with that great phrase, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The name of our God is wonder and majesty. This is the name of our God. And it's a great intro to this psalm, and you will read it, and you'll see that it actually is the first line and the last line. The first line and the last line of this psalm are the same. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That's called, it's a literary device, and one commentator said it's called an inclusion. It's almost like bookends. Bookends to this chapter. We're starting with this thought. We're ending with this thought. We are wrapping everything around this thought that our God, your name, is majestic in all the earth. And it's like bookends. And then everything in the middle is highlighting, you know, that idea that we set up. It's almost like a thesis statement of a paper. Like, here's what we're going to say. And in conclusion, I'm saying the same thing. And everything in the middle is evidence towards that. And it's a literary device that David, who wrote this psalm, is using. And it's important to point that out because when you read the Psalms, it, it kind of reads a little different. Some of them are written as songs. It's very poetic. It's very um, artistic in its writing. There are literary devices. There are rhythms to the Psalms. There are some Psalms where in the original language it would be the, a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet was starting each stanza. Um, there would be 12 stanzas in a psalm because there was the 12 big steps leading up, you know, the, the 12 stages of walking towards the temple to, to give worship a psalm of ascent. There's, there's poetic devices used. There are stanzas. They are written like songs or like prayers. And I love this psalm in particular, nine verses, it starts out with the idea, Lord, your name is majestic. I love it that it's not, there's a lot of psalms that are like, Lord, hear our cry. Help me out, Lord. The enemy is surrounded. Lord, I am being chased. My life is in danger. You've got to get me out of this mess. There are a lot of psalms that are prayers. There are a lot of psalms of lament. Lord, I am down. I am hurting. I am, my life is in a pit. But this psalm is not like that. And I love it. I love that it's not, God, help me. God, what should we do? God, hear my cry and help. My enemies are advancing. There is one simple purpose to Psalm 8, and it's this. God, your name is majestic. Your name is worthy of praise. Your name is above every other name, worthy of worship and wonder and awe. And so as we start out the sermon today, a great challenge for us is every once in a while to just kind of step back. Have you ever had those moments where you can just kind of step back out of the normal routine of life and just take in the awe and power and might of our majestic God. Maybe it's when you, you know, see a storm coming or you're standing by the mountains or the oceans or something. It just causes you to step back a little bit from our routine life and take in the awe and the wonder of our God. And it's a great challenge for us to forget about normal life, not only that, but also just to step back from all the things that we do for God. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in, God, I want to do this, I want to be better at this, and show me what to do here and who to talk to here. And it's all these things that we're working for God, and it's so good just to step back and say, God, you are majestic. Your name is majestic in all the earth. I am in awe of who you are. So in Psalm 8, as we read this in just a moment, you're going to see a certain theme or a couple themes that come out. It starts out with that idea of, Lord, your name is majestic. And then you're going to see a theme that God uses and reveals his strength through weakness. 
When we are at our weakest, that's where God is strong. God is infinite in power. But another theme that we'll see throughout Psalm 8 is he's also intricate in his care for us. He's infinite in power, but intricate in his care and concern for us. What a great thought that is, and we'll see that as we read it. And finally, we'll read in Psalm 8 that there is a responsibility bestowed on us as his creation. And these themes are all included between those opening and closing statements, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So if you have a Bible, we're going to read through the whole psalm, nine verses, and kind of hear some of these themes that I mentioned as we read through this. Psalm 8, starting in verse 1, I'm reading in the NIV translation, it'll be up on the screen. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You have made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So I want to go through this psalm a little bit today. Kind of find those themes that I mentioned. The first one, again, is starting out with that phrase of worship and honor. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is how God is addressed in this psalm. And I wanted to highlight that first line, Lord, our Lord. It's not just repetition for repetition's sake. It's not just emphasizing the name Lord. It's not a Romeo, O Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo. It's not one of those. There's actually two different words in the original Hebrew that are, that are used for those, lord, those lords. The first lord is the name of God, that God, when he revealed himself to Abraham and established the covenant, the name Yahweh, the name that was so revered that they wouldn't even write it down or speak it in the, in the Old Testament, the Israelites. But that first lord is Yahweh, who you are. I am the great God, Yahweh. But the second lord is the Hebrew word Adonai, which is a word of authority. So it would be like, Lord, my king, my ruler, my master, we are in submission to you. So Yahweh, the God of the covenant, our Adonai, our Lord that we are in submission to. So it's acknowledging who God is and our place with God. Acknowledging God is the God of the covenant who is with us, but yet we are surrendered to him. It's a very uh, important thing in a time of prayer. I just encourage you in times of prayer to just establish that. It doesn't have to be those words, Lord, our Lord, but maybe this week you want to read through Psalm 8 a few times, and when you read that first line, Lord, our Lord, think, God, you're with me, and I am in surrendered submission to you. I am your servant. When we can have that humble posture of prayer, it just sets up everything right for our prayer life. We can come to God in boldness, but we recognize he is our Lord. He is our Lord. We are surrendered and submitted to him. We love, we love, we love to put ourselves on the throne of our life and almost see God as like the sidekick, right? The the goose to our maverick, the, the Luke Duke to 
Bo Duke. Is that the right Dukes of Hazards name? Did I get that right? Bo and Luke Duke? Yes. That's not how it works with God. God's not riding shotguns saying, God, I got all this mapped out, and if you could just do all the good supernatural stuff. We need to humble ourselves before God and say, Lord, our Lord, our Master, our King, we are surrendered to you. How majestic is your name in all the earth. His name is majesty. His name is majestic in all the earth, all creation, the heavens, the angels. And then verse 1 continues, you have set your glory above the heavens. He is glorious and big and powerful. And he sets David in this psalm, he sets that idea, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. You have set your glory in the heavens. This is not a small God that we are worshiping. We're going to get to more of that idea of his bigness and power in a moment. But let's look at verse 2. Verse 2 seems like it kind of switches gears a little bit when I first read it. All of a sudden, he's like, in the first verse, David is talking about his glory is set in the heavens. And now he says in verse 2, Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemy. In the face of enemies and battles, what I, some commentators and what I believe what David is saying here is it's just an example of God is so big that he uses the weakest thing that we could imagine to establish his strength. It's like he's saying in the face of our enemies and our battles, God uses, God can even use the praise of children and infants. Other translations said the babbling of infants. Think of a small baby just babbling or you, you learning to use their voice. And in that weakness, God can establish his strength to defeat any enemies. God uses the weakest thing to bring victory and praise. This is a testimony to the strength of God. Should fill us with great assurance. Amen? That the biggest things of this world are nothing compared to our God. They are nothing for him to handle. I know that there are people in this room right now who are facing very significant things. Those things are not too difficult for our God to handle. He uses the babbling of an infant to establish a stronghold against the enemy. This is nothing for our God to handle. David is setting a tone in the first two verses of Psalm 8, establishing God's bigness and our smallness. And again, that's a key thing if we want to have a life of faith. God, you are big, and I am small. Continues in verse 3. And I love the choice of words here in verse 3. When I, consider the, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, again, it's all God's, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. That's verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. I love that it's not, I love the intentional wording that David uses, just fingers. It's almost like, just, just with your fingers, God, you just set the moon and the stars in place. You didn't even have to use a lot of muscle. Just with your fingers, this was not taxing to your power. You set the moon and the stars in place. He starts out this psalm about the majesty of his name by establishing God's greatness and power. And having an accurate view, as I've mentioned, is so key for us in a prayer time. God, you are powerful. You are, your name is majestic. And this is a key thing for us to recognize because it is so easy for us, as I mentioned, to get caught up into the routine of life 
and to have everything kind of piling up around us, and we lose our perspective of how big God is, how small we are. And we have to step back once in a while and we say, Lord, I get out of my routine, this routine that can seem overwhelming at times, this routine that can seem tedious at times. If you are caring for small children, you know how tedious this routine can be at times, right? The amount of time you spend every day saying, no, no, don't do that, don't touch that. Don't hit them. Don't climb on that. Don't eat that. Don't eat that. Eat your food. Don't say that. You know, all this, I don't know. I don't know when we're going to get there. No, we're not there yet. I don't know why this happened. You know, the number of questions you answer any given day with small children, that routine can seem tedious at times. And we need a moment where we can regularly step out of that and take in the majesty of God and recognize that we are not just passing through. We are part of this bigger story, this bigger picture, this intricate work of creation and redemption that God is doing on the earth. This is what we are a part of. The moon and the stars he sets into place with his fingers. When's the last time you took in something that just caused you to go, whoa, wow, look at God. I love that. Maybe it's a sunset. Maybe it's, like I mentioned, the ocean or the, just looking up in the stars some night just saying, wow, Lord, your name is majestic. You are great in all the earth and in all creation. Sunsets, rainstorms. They had a big rainstorm that came through this past week. There's a lot of, a lot of really amazing pictures of when that cold front comes in and it, the clouds moving. You can just see the power of nature coming in like a wall of storm coming towards you. Those moments while we're, you know, covering up the cars and putting them in the garage and making sure the sunroof is closed, those moments should cause us to, be, to say, wow, God, You are powerful. You are big. I just encourage you, take some time. Whatever causes you to feel that about God, take some time this week. Step back for a moment and say, God, your name is majestic in all the earth. You have established your glory in the heavens. By the work of your fingers, you put the moon and the stars in place. Now, before we go on to verse 4, This idea of God's bigness and his power could lead us to somehow think that we are insignificant. That we are so small that we are, we have a perceived insignificance about how God pays attention to us. An insignificance in the eyes of God. And I know many people have this, and maybe you're here and you felt this. God, you're big, you're strong, you're far away, and you've got lots of big things to worry about, and you probably aren't even aware that I'm here, or you're not really worried about what I'm going through. My problems must seem insignificant to you. Um, So you kind of feel like God is just passing you by. So I want to read with that idea. If you are feeling some indifference from God or some insignificance in the eyes of God, then we continue on. And I love that David included this in this psalm. When he sets it up, I've considered the work of your heavens and you set the moon and the stars in place. In verse 4 it says this, What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. That verse in verse 4, what is man that you are mindful of him? That word mindful in the Hebrew language was a word that involved care and compassion. It wasn't just mindfulness of, oh, I think about them from time to time. It was mindfulness that way we as loving parents would be mindful of our children. Care, concern compassion. This is the mindfulness of God, the God who set the moon and stars in place. He is mindful with care and compassion about us. What is man that you are mindful of him, that you visited him, that you are compassionate to mankind? 
He is not far off. He is mindful of you. He is compassionately caring for you and the things that are weighing you down, the burdens that you are carrying. You can give those to God because he is mindful. Not only is his power great, his care and compassion for you is great. And that is such a great combination. Amen? That is my favorite thing about our God, the greatness of his power and his love for us that he came. He demonstrated it when Christ came and died for us. His care and compassion are great. Amen? Because he loves us. His power is great. His care and compassion are great. So why is the name of God majestic? Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name? It's because of that. His power and his love, his might and his mercy. His hands that put the moon and the stars in place and his hands that reach down and care for us. This is our God. This is why he is majestic. He is with us in our weakness, in our weakest moments. I was thinking of this this week as I was studying this. I'm in my mid-40s. As you get into your mid-40s, you're reminded of your weakness more often, are you not? Uh, you're reminded of your weakness more often in ways that should not reveal your weakness. You know, for example, when I was 10 years old and I would injure myself, it was because of something awesome, right? As a 10-year-old boy, there was a day where me and some friends, we loved to ride our bikes and we loved to make ramps and jump our bikes. And then we thought, I wonder how many kids we could jump on our bikes. And so one of us would lay down and they'd jump over us and yes, one was successful. Let's get two in there. I don't know why we thought, you know, I, I, I just wanted to make sure I was one of the first ones, I think. Um, so we would see how many kids we could jump and then we'd finally get like five or six kids and the kid would come running up. And well, the ramp that we made wasn't super sturdy. So this bike hit this ramp and just plowed through it. And so the kid who was first, who thought he was safe, got plowed into by this bike and he goes wiping out over all of us. All of us go hobbling home. How did you injure yourself? Well, it was a great story, right? Well, there was a ramp and a bike, and a jump, and you know, it was stories, injury stories where, well, we tried to swing from the roof of our house, we tied up a rope, and we tried to swing over, you know, there was, there was stories that resulted in revealing your weakness when you were younger. When you're 45, there's days that I'll say, man, my back hurts, and Christy will say, what'd you do? I don't think I did anything. I remember I felt something when I went to get a dish out of the bottom rack of the dishwasher. Those are terrible stories, are they not? How did you injure yourself? Well, I was on the couch, and I tried, and I tried to stand up, and that's it. That's a terrible story, and we think, I'm never doing that again. I'm just going to stay on the couch. We reveal our weaknesses as we get older. Kids, enjoy it now while you've got it. And all the people over 40 said, amen. We reveal our weakness more often, and the stories aren't great. But weakness also hits us in profound ways, where we think we're doing fine, and then something, just a diagnosis, or a, a phone call, or a relationship, or a death, or a tragedy, it just hits us like a gut punch, and we are reminded of our weakness. But yet, in our weakness, majestic God, Yahweh, the God of the covenant, because of his love and care for us, is close to us. He's mindful of us. He's caring for us. He is helping. He is showing mercy. He is showing care and compassion. So if you ever have moments, and maybe you felt those this week when you are completely, you feel completely alone, 
You feel completely alone. And you're saying, God, are you even there? Read Psalm 8. Psalm 8 is a great, worshipful, poetic reminder that the God of the universe, whose power is limitless, cares deeply for you. He cares deeply for you. He is intricately mindful of you. In fact, this week, uh, if it's a clear night here in Farmington, we can see the stars pretty clear. It's one of the things I love about Farmington. You get out of the city lights a little bit. Look up in the stars in the heavens or when you see a sunset or when you see something that's the majesty of God's creation. Just allow a moment this week, a practical thing, a moment this week where you just stop and you take a deep breath and you say, Lord, you're majestic. You care for me. You are mindful of me. Thank you for your power in the heavens. Just have a moment of awe and wonder about who God is. Boy, if we could just get that. If we could just get that. Finally, in verse 5 through 7, we'll read the final. Um, actually, we'll read. Oh, no, we'll just read 5 through 7 for right now. So uh, David is setting up this idea of what is mankind that you were mindful of them. In verse 5, he says, You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You have made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and animals of the wild. I'll read verse 8 as well. The birds in the sky and the fish in the sea that swim in the paths of the seas. Verse 9, it wraps up again. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. He not only cares for us, he not only set the heavens in place, cares intricately for us, but he involves us, has a role for us in his kingdom. You have made them a little lower than the angels, crowned them with glory and honor, have put them rulers over the works of your hands. God has made us involved in the work of his kingdom around the earth, caring for creation, but also his work of redemption, bringing light to darkness, redeeming those who are lost. He involves us in that work. What a great honor. It's like God is saying, you will represent me. The work that I'm doing in you will be representative of the work that I want to do in others and in all creation. He is making all things new. He is bringing light to darkness. And you and I get to be involved with God, majestic, awesome God, big God. We are small, powerful God. We are weak, and he involves us. Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So as I wrap up today, I want us to just think of three, three points from this passage of Scripture. Just first of all, every once in a while, just look up at God and just be in awe of his majesty and his wonder. Just allow that moment to consider his care, his intricate love for us. The second point is this. Just live fully. Live fully. Move forward Live in abundant life. We are representatives of this God. The greatest accomplishment you will make in your life has nothing to do with money and finances. It's nothing to do with a career or any sort of relationship. The greatest command or the greatest accomplishment you will make in your life is just carrying this message of God's redemption with you. Carrying the light of Jesus and seeing it change hearts, seeing it change other people's lives as it has changed yours. And finally, just take time to worship. Just take time to worship. 
Worship and thankfulness. Worship and thankfulness. Even if you are in the midst of a struggle, worship and thankfulness is going to be the best thing that you can do to combat anxiety or loneliness or insecurity or fear or sin. Worship and thankfulness to our God. God, you are great. Your name is majestic in all of the earth. I will praise you and I will worship you. All of these things, just recognizing who God is. I just want to encourage you with this. It's like... When you have those moments where you can just experience the presence of God, it's like, it's like you're able to just take a deep breath, and it's like feeling everything kind of just get put in the right place in your life, just a right perspective on everything. Imagine, uh, imagine you have a home office, and it's been neglected, and it's just cluttered, and there's stuff everywhere. And imagine you go in... And you find the time to kind of go through the piles of junk, and you're like, well, this is garbage. We don't need to keep this. This is a utility bill from 1997. I don't need to keep that. And you can throw that away, or you can shred some of those things, or you can, oh, this is just junk drawer stuff. Let's throw out some of this, and let's put this here. This is important. This should be up here on the shelf. And when you get it all done, and you look at that nice, clean, organized office, it just is a nice feeling, right? It just feels good, like, oh, everything's in the right place. And it might only stay that way for a, an hour and a half. But everything's in the right place. This is what walking with God and having a moment of worship is like in our soul. It's a deep breath, and God just allows you to kind of have things settle. Say, man, that thing I was worried about, I don't need to be worried about that. That thing I've been holding on to, I can just get rid of that. That thing that I've been pushing down and just keeping on the sidelines, I need to bring that up to a place of importance in my life. There's a work that God does when we allow him, that work of his hands that created the heavens, to just come and reprioritize what is in our life. It's like a deep breath, and we can say, Lord, I want everything in my life to be in the right spot. I want everything to be right priority, the things that you prioritize to be the things that I prioritize. The things that aren't such a big deal to you, I want to just give those over to you. Maybe your take-home point today is the thing that you are carrying that's causing you to stress. Give that to God. And allow the work of his hands to carry that for you. He cares intricately for you. He knows what you need better than you do. Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. God, we recognize the majesty of your name, the greatness of your power. And today, we just want to have hearts that praise and honor you. Lord, we do a lot of things for you. We get involved in the busyness of the kingdom and church work. We do a lot of things with work and with family. We, we work a lot, and we want those things to honor you as well. But today, the theme is just simply this. Your name is great in the heavens and the earth. Your name is majestic. Your name is above every name. And we worship you today. Even right now, just with you in your hearts, just take a moment and just thank God. God, we worship you today. You have been so good. Maybe you just even want to say that to him. God, you have been so good to us. We praise you and we thank you. Your name is exalted in the heavens. There's a song of, in heaven right now, worshiping and praising your name. All creation is singing out to you, pointing to God, the God of the universe. And Lord, we want to join that song of praise today. We honor you and we thank you and we praise you. So, Lord, be with us. Be with those who are down today, who are weary. Allow the power of your hand and the intricate nature of your care for us to ring true in every heart so that we would know we are cared for and loved by the God of the universe. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen.